Well, it's a real joy to be sharing worship with you this morning. Perhaps I might introduce myself for a few sentences. I'm a Methodist lay preacher and I worship normally at Wesley, just along the road there. And conversations between the Methodist Superintendent Minister, Nick Thompson, and your own minister, Terry Hinks, decided it would be a good thing if we had exchange of pulpits from time to time and we shared each other's preachers. So here I am. I lived the first 70 years of my life in Southall, an area that changed dramatically during those 70-odd years, from being a, a very quiet, suburban little town to being very much a nation city, almost. During that time, we, our children grew up and went to school, met their partners and got married. And then one of our daughters said, well, we're going to move. Where are you going to move to? Don't, take, don't go too far. Don't take the grandchildren away from us. Well, you come and see. You probably won't know where it is. Where did they go? Hazelmere. They moved to Hazelmere. And we drove up and down each week to meet the children from school and play with them. They're now 22 and 18, not children at all. I had another daughter who lives with her husband and grandchildren in China. And my wife's mother was in residential care in Downley. So my daughter started once they'd moved to Hazelmere. Come on, Mum and Dad, now you're retired. Why don't you move? Why don't you come down here? Oh, it's lovely down here. And so eventually she persuaded me. It took her four years of living in Hazelmere to persuade us that we needed to move down in this direction. And so we found a house also in Hazelmere and settled there. Much easier for seeing the rest of the family being much closer. That was 10 years ago. And just before Christmas, we said, do you realise it's 10 years since we've been living here now? I find myself on a Sunday morning preaching usually in most Methodist churches here in the Wickham area or going back to where we were, Southall, which is part of the London Borough of Ealing and the churches there, or even to places like Teddington and Hanworth, which are places I used to go as a preacher when I lived in Southall. So here I am. 
My membership is with Wesley, although you won't find me there many Sunday mornings because I'm out sharing worship with congregations throughout the area. And it's a real joy to be sharing worship with you this morning. And I'll bring you greetings from the congregation at Wesley. I'll drop my wife and daughter off there this morning and then lovely the sunshine I just walked along the road and came to join you. Thank you for allowing me to share your worship on this lovely Sunday morning. Our New Testament Gospel reading this morning follows on from last week's lectionary reading of Jesus in Nazareth and Jesus going to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. You know, Nazareth is not a a small village. It wasn't a small village in Jesus' day. It wasn't a a backwater sort of village. It was quite a populated town. In fact, theologians today think that it could have had anything up to 20,000 inhabitants. A large town, Nazareth, and it stood in the hollow of the hills that sloped down to the Lake of Galilee. You climb up to the top of those hills and you could see for miles and miles around. The road to the south, which would lead travellers down to Jerusalem and Judea. Or the great trade route, the way of the sea, where you could see the, the camels walking along, carrying the burden of trade that was bound for the cities, or the great road to the east, Egypt, linking Damascus, another trade route through to Arabia. No, Jesus wasn't brought up in a small, tiny village at all. Nazareth was a sizable town, even in Jesus' day. a town which was surrounded by history, a town which, if you stood on the top of the hills, you could see where battles and various significant events of history had taken place. And it is on the Sabbath day that Jesus goes to the synagogue to worship. Just as it was his custom when he lived in Nazareth, And still, when he is at home in that town, he goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath. He didn't perhaps always agree with what was said or what was taught in the synagogue. But he is there. And we heard last week in our Gospel reading how he was handed the scroll, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah handed to him by the leader of the synagogue, the Chazan. That's the name, the Chazan, which was given to the leader of the synagogue. A man whose job it was to make sure that everything was ready for worship, to get the scrolls out to whoever was going to read and to put them back afterwards. It was their job to clean the church 
to call the people to the synagogue by three blasts on a silver trumpet. And they would also have been the local school teacher in the local school. And so Jesus read those familiar words from Isaiah chapter 61, starting, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has chosen me to bring good news to the poor. And having completed that particular passage, he handed the scroll back to the Chazan, who would have taken it and put it back in its place in the synagogue. With that, Jesus sat down, we are told. We might think that that was the end of it when Jesus sat down. In fact, no, that was quite the opposite of their tradition. When a teacher or a rabbi sat down, they sat down to teach or to preach. Every speaker or teacher taught sitting down in Jesus' day. And so it was that Jesus sat down and began to teach the people. He began to speak about the history, about what it was like, what had happened to the Jews in the years. And yet Jesus said to them, no prophet is ever accepted in their hometown. And the people listened intently to what he was saying because he was saying that all sorts of people had benefited from God's intervention in their lives. He said, you remember Elijah? Elijah was sent. And who did he go to? Well, he went to that town where there had been a famine for three years. And he met the widow of Seraphath. She wasn't a Jew, she was a Gentile. Or do you remember Elisha, that great prophet of ours? Remember Elisha, what a wonderful man he was. Oh, there were many lepers around in Elisha's time. But only one was healed, that was Naaman. And he wasn't one of us, he wasn't a Jew, was he? And then you could see and sense the furious feelings of the synagogue crowd that day. Who is this Jesus to say these things? Have you ever been in a meeting where you felt you ought to speak and say what you understood to be the truth? Jesus certainly let them have it that day. I wonder how many times God has prompted us to say something and we've kept quiet. We like the silence, don't we? Particularly when there's a, a contentious point that's been discussed. Or in our Old Testament lesson, we heard about Jeremiah called to be a prophet. 
God speaks to Jeremiah when he was very, very young. I called you before I made you. I called you before you were even born. How could that be? How could Jeremiah understand that? I selected you to be a prophet to the nations. What does Jeremiah say? Oh, no, 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 not me. Not me. I'm too young. I'm no good at speaking. I always keep quiet. I keep out of the way. But God is insistent. That is or was his call to Jeremiah to be a prophet, to speak the words that he would place into his mouth. The words that I tell you, these are the words that you are to speak to the nations. Oh, but I don't know how to speak. Don't worry, I will speak through you. Just as God spoke through Jesus that day in the synagogue in Nazareth. I wonder, how often has God spoken to you and to me? How often has God said, this is the opportunity I'm placing before you? Well, we don't do that sort of thing. Or we've made sure we've got out of the way so that we're not involved. What has God called you and I to? When do we dare to speak? Speak the truth. Speak what we know. Oh, Jeremiah tried to get out of it, didn't he? I'm too young, I'm only a young boy, can be an excuse. How often have you said, well, I'm only, I can't do that. I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know what to do. That's, that's not me, that sort of thing. Always I use that expression sometimes, actions speak louder than words. How often has God put you in a situation or put me in a situation where there is opportunity to speak or to do or action which is service to the Lord. And we've ignored it because we haven't felt comfortable. We haven't felt it was our sort of thing. And so this morning as we, we think about Jesus in Nazareth, as we speak about Jeremiah called to be a prophet, we reflect on the people in the synagogue that day, furious with Jesus. How dare he say that the Gentiles receive things from God? Aren't we the chosen people? People get up from their seats and they drive Jesus out of the synagogue and up the hill, up to the top where there is a cliff, and they're ready to throw him off because he's spoken words which said God cares about Gentiles. How could God care for those sort of people? But we hear that Jesus calmly walks through.
through the crowd and walks away. I came across this poem this week about how someone in the congregation in Nazareth in the synagogue might have felt. It goes like this. They speak well of him in Cana for turning water into wine. They claim it was a miracle, a messianic sign. But we know he's a carpenter, a Mary's firstborn son, a local boy, no prophet. No, despite the tales he's told and spun. In Capernaum, they flock to see him. They hang on every word. He has a silver tongue, perhaps, but Rabbi, <laughs> think that's absurd. He went to school in Nazareth and he learned to read and write, but he's never been to college. He's never studied day and night. He preaches by the lakeside and really pulls a crowd, favouring the poor and the ignorant and lambasting the proud. But we, the folk of Nazareth, we've known him as a boy can't see him as a preacher. He's a builder we want to employ. He's healed the sick in Galilee. Blind and lame, they say. He's even been and cured a leper. Not here, not far away. So let him heal the local sick, the people that we know. Then we'll believe the stories when there's evidence to show a healer and a prophet, a teacher and a king. You don't fool us, your neighbours. We know a real thing. And to think us worse than Gentiles, you've really lost the plot. Get out of here, you charlatan, for we know what is what. I wonder, would you have been one of those crowds in the synagogue in Nazareth? When have we kept quiet when God is calling us to speak? When have we failed to take action when God gave us the opportunity? When did we last speak to our neighbour or, or a member of our family about our faith, about our Jesus? The challenge today is to stand up for the Christianity that we claim we profess. Rather than looking for the quiet places, looking instead for the opportunities. Or we say to ourselves, we mustn't rock the boat. Let's keep quiet. Do we always choose the easiest path? the path that leads to quiet contentment. And so, having heard those two readings from the Scriptures, of God's call to Jeremiah and Jesus there in the synagogue in Nazareth, 
let's quietly reflect upon our own calling. Here we are in this church this morning. Why has God called us here? Why is God sending us out? Where is he sending us? To who is he sending us? And what is the purpose that he has called us? Let's spend a few moments in quietness as we reflect on God's calling for us as individuals. Where is it that God wants us to go? What God wants us to say? And with whom does he want us to say what he has put in our hearts? May God dwell in our minds as we reflect for a few moments upon the words of our worship this morning.